Chapter twenty four, section one of J. B. Bury's The Student's Roman Empire, part two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lenny. The Student's Roman Empire, part two, by John Baniel Bury. Chapter twenty four Trajan's Principate continued. 98 to 117 A.D. Section 1. Trajan's Administration. Rome and Italy. Trajan ranks amongst the greatest emperors of Rome. But he stands alone. He boldly inaugurated a new policy of conquest, but his successors refused to walk in the path which he marked out. His originality was fruitless. He did not influence the ages which succeeded him. The province of Dacia, his only work that was in any way abiding, ceased to be Roman before two centuries had elapsed. Trajan was, above all, a soldier, and his aggressive policy was largely due to this fact. His military undertakings were successful, but the reports of them, which have come down, are not sufficient to let us judge whether his strategy was original. He was robust in mind and body. He had a clear understanding, but one of a thoroughly practical turn, and he had no taste for literature. He was not averse to pleasures, but was careful not to indulge in them to the hurt of others. He was genial and popular in his manner, and used to play the part of a comrade to his soldiers. His chief foible was vanity. He was fond of naming places after himself and members of his family. He caused the title of Augusta to be conferred not only on his wife, Plotina, but on his sister, Marciana, and her daughter, Matidia. Trajan's personal appearance was noble and impressive. He was tall of stature, and his features were regular. He had an aquiline nose, a broad and low forehead, thick, straight-cut hair. He was the first emperor to whom a special name was given to designate his personal qualities. In a hundred A.D., the Senate conferred on him the name Optimus, which, however, he did not adopt as one of his titles until the later period, a hundred fourteen A.D. In his relations with the senators, Trajan was studiously moderate in language and demeanor. He was careful to maintain the fiction that the Senate was a free body, as in the days of the Republic. He proposed to be a Pincips, not like Domitian, a Dominus. You bid us be free, says Pliny. We will be free. He faithfully kept his oath never to take the life of a senator. When his friend Licinius Sura was secretly charged with a treasonable conspiracy, he sent for Sura's physician to anoint his eyes and let himself be shaved by Sura's barber. Next day he said, If my friend proposed to take my life, he might have compassed his design yesterday. Copernius Crossus, who had been pardoned by Nerva, afterwards conspired against Trajan, and was put to death, not, however, by the emperor, but by his own senatorial colleagues. But while Trajan disarmed opposition, and won golden opinions by outward respect for the fathers, and by the observance of superficial forms, he avoided having to restore to the senate any real powers. He retained the substance of monarchy, 
and endeavored to render it palatable by a show of equality between the monarch and the other senators. He made no objection to the expression of republican sentiments, and allowed the followers of Thracia and Helvidius to indulge in their harmless hero-worship of Brutus and Cassius. Yet men like Pliny did not disguise from themselves that they were under the absolute rule of a single man, but they recognized that he worked for the public weal. Thus the policy of Trajan resembled that of Vespasian, except that Trajan was more affable and more tolerant. But he developed the monarchical principle in at least two ways. One, he did not assume a perpetual censorship like Domitian, but he did what was more unconstitutional. He created new patricians without assuming the censorship at all. This was equivalent to claiming censorial power as part of the imperial prerogative. 2. He instituted an imperial control over the local administration of the towns of Italy, of the free cities in the imperial provinces, and of the cities which were subject to the administration of the Senate. These three classes of the community were hitherto exempt from the interference of the emperor, and the appointment of an imperial officer called Curator Republicae, with control over the affairs of such a community, was a distinct step in the growth of monarchy. The curator was of equestrian or senatorial rank, and was chosen from some neighboring community. He had control over the municipal administration, especially in regard to the public buildings and the town rent roll. In many cases, doubtless, and especially in the senatorial provinces, there had been financial mismanagement, and the intervention of the state was beneficial. But the political tendency of the measure was to increase the sphere of the emperor's influence on the one hand, and to level the distinction existing between the various communities of the empire on the other. The control of the emperor in Italy tended to reduce the mother country to the position of the subject lands, and the intervention of imperial officers to correct the state of the free communities seriously diminished the value of their privileges. Otherwise, Trajan's policy in domestic and civil administration was not marked by any particular tendency. He does not appear to have been guided much by general principles, but rather to have dealt with each question as it arose on its own merits. Many beneficial results in special departments of law were achieved by his legislation. Like Claudius, he used personally to deal out judgment in the tribunals of Rome, and used himself to try all cases of appeal to the imperial court. His spirit of moderation and equity is expressed in the sentiment which is attributed to him that it is better that the guilty should escape unpunished than that the innocent should be condemned. The state finances seem to have been managed by Trajan with discretion and success, for, notwithstanding the large expenses incurred by his wars and his buildings, no increase of taxation was found necessary. On the contrary, the duty on inheritances, vicesima hereditatum, was alleviated in certain cases. Trajan published a budget with the details of the public expenditure, a popular measure, but also a politic move, as showing how favorably his administration compared with that of his predecessors. He also established a special court to deal with fiscal lawsuits. The secret of Trajan's financial success 
lay partly in the strict economy of his court, but also in the large increase of revenue derived from the province of Dacia and its rich mines. One feature of his reign has received severe condemnation. He adopted from his predecessors the practice of giving congiaria to the people of Rome, but increased the amount of the donation to an extravagant height. His first congiarium, 99 AD, was probably no larger than that of Nerva, 75 denarii, 2 pounds 10 shillings a head. But his second and third distributions of money, after each Dacian war, amounted to 650 denarii a head. He thus introduced a precedent of extravagant charity, which became a serious tax on his successors. Though it was the general tendency under the empire to alleviate the conditions of slavery, Trajan inclined in a contrary direction, and passed some laws which made the discipline of servitude harder. By the existing legislation, when a master was assassinated, all his slaves were condemned to death. Trajan introduced a new regulation by which not only the testamentary freedmen, but those freedmen who had received their liberty during their master's life, and possessed either wholly or partly Roman citizenship, were subjected to torture. He also issued an edict that a freedman or slave, who had obtained from the emperor Roman citizenship in its complete form, without the knowledge of his patron or master, and possessed thereby the right of freely disposing of his property, should retain the right during his lifetime, but should on his death be regarded as a freedman possessing only the jus latinum, so that his fortune might revert to his patron. Trajan followed the example of Nerva in paying special attention to the welfare of Italy. The possibility of an invasion by the barbarians beyond the Danube, which in Domitian's reign may have seemed near enough, may have awakened the minds of statesmen to the importance of maintaining the population and encouraging agriculture in Italy, if only for the purpose of strengthening her against a hostile attack. In four ways Trajan came to the rescue of Italy. In the first place, he carried on, extended and modified, the elementary institutions which Nerva had founded. This policy directly contributed to encourage marriage and raise the population. Secondly, the state further encouraged small proprietors by advancing loans at small interest. Thirdly, Trajan renewed the law of Tiberius that all provincials who became senators must invest a third of their property in Italian land. Fourthly, he tried to hinder emigration from Italy by an ordinance that no Italians should take part in the foundation of new colonies. This Italian policy involved the principle that the provinces were to contribute to the maintenance of the mother country. It was a principle which was not then disputed, but which was manifestly unfair, inasmuch as the legions which defended the provinces were no longer recruited from Italy. On the other hand, as we have seen, the institution of curatores tended to deprive Italy of political privileges. Trajan concerned himself with the improvement of Italian traffic, both by sea and land. He restored the harbors of Ostia and Centumcele, Civitavecchia, on the west coast, and enlarged that of Ancona on the east. At Ostia, he excavated a very large hexagonal basin, 
still called the Lago Trajano, and connected it with the port of Claudius by two smaller basins. This new port was surrounded with quays and buildings for magazines. He constructed a road through the Pomptine marshes on the coast of Lachium, and converted the mule path, which led directly from Beneventum to Brundisium, into a regular road called Via Traiana. Nor did he neglect the welfare of Rome. He improved the water supply by executing important repairs of the Aquamarchia and the Anionovus, and conferred a great benefit on the inhabitants of the Transtiberine quarter by building an aqueduct to supply them, the Aqua Traiana. This aqueduct derived its waters from the Lacus Sabatinus, and is used at the present day under the name of the Aqua Paola. Trajan built two public baths, the Thermae Traianae, near the baths of Titus, intended exclusively for the use of women, and the Thermae Surianae, in memory of his friend Licinius Sura. He arranged for a cheaper supply of bread in Italy and Rome by reorganizing the guild of bakers, a considerable concession on Trajan's part, as he always manifested great jealousy of collegia and corporations. The list of those who received corn was revised, and five thousand poor children were placed among the recipients. The great monuments of Trajan in Rome was his new forum, which was confessed by posterity to be one of the most striking sights of the city. It lay in a narrow valley, which he formed by cutting off a spur between the Capitoline and the Quirinal hills, and was designed to form a connecting link between the other fora and the Campus marshes. It was in fact a northerly continuation of the Forum of Augustus. The execution of the design was entrusted to Apollodorus of Damascus, the skilful architect who built the bridge of the Danube at Turnus Severin. The western and eastern sides of the Forum were formed by semicircles hewn out of the hills, in front of which were rectilineal porticos enclosing the area. In the middle of the space was an equestrian statue of the emperor. The southern side was occupied by a magnificent entrance, and the northern by the Basilica Ulpiana, a large edifice. Behind it was the pillar of Trajan, which has been already described, in the center of a small place whose sides were formed by two libraries, one of Latin, the other of Greek works. Beyond this space was a temple, completed after Trajan's death, and consecrated to him by his successor. End of section 1